Whether packing for a destination vacation or planning a staycation, Macy's has everything you need. Summer's almost here, and I'm so excited to take a trip with Bryn. We are planning it right now. We are heading to Macy's before we pack to grab new shoes we can wear all day with anything. I'm excited to lay in the sun with key pieces from Macy's, like my new Dolce Vita sandals and Levi's skirt. I am ready to relax and look and feel amazing. Oh, how good that sounds. Of course, I can't forget a new beach bag. I have been eyeing the collection of beach bags from Macy's, and I can't wait for you to see what I choose. Shop at Macy's.com slash own your style. Imagine the feeling of pulsing electric shocks. Sounds like a nightmare, right? While individual experiences may vary, it's how some people describe shingles. This painful blistering rash could interrupt your life for weeks. It could even force you to cancel social events or weekend plans. Over 99% of adults 50 years or older already carry the virus that causes shingles. One in three people will get it in their lifetime. Why wait? Ask your doctor or pharmacist about shingles today. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. So Puerto Rico is a beautiful place. It's a lush island. It's great for surfing. It's got a culture. Like you feel like you've really gone somewhere far And you don't need a passport, which honestly, I do really enjoy. It's a beautiful island. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. The water, the beaches, the vibe. It's a great place. It really is. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Carriages, dogs in baby stroller like carriages. If there's not a problem with the dog, if the dog doesn't have an issue, if the dog isn't elderly, if the dog isn't missing a limb, if the dog can walk and doesn't have medical issues, what is that? Is that a person having issues with the fact that they don't have a child and they they make this their baby and they put it in a baby carriage? Like what? I just want to actually understand. If you're a baby carriage dog holder, explain it to me. I want to understand. And that's a cousin of the issue that I have with people who abuse the therapy dog rule and just go get that certification so they get to travel with their dog. Like, that's a selfish person to me. I mean, you're, that's an entitled person who just, you know, they just are not following rules. You're not allowed to have a dog on a plane? Guess what? I'm pretending my dog is a, a therapy dog or what do you call it? Like an emotional support dog. And I need my dog. I think that's one of those things. Those are the people that get canceled. The type of person who gets a dog and in a scam or finagle gets an emotional support certification just because they're the ass that needs to have their dog travel with them is the type of person that gets canceled. It's just that type. Like, I would love to just waltz Biggie and Smalls onto the Delta Airlines flight and recline with them. But that's not allowed. So they would have to be in two separate bags. Smalls is terrified of flying. It gets very dehydrated. His tongue, he's very small. And, you know, some people find him unfortunate looking. I think he's beautiful and gorgeous and he's my baby. But his little red tongue, like, drags down to the floor when he's flying. So he's not interested in flying. But if he could, we'd have to be, he'd have to be in a regular dog bag. Unless we were, you know, flying private. And then his tongue still drags to the bottom. But I just don't like the douche that like brings a dog into a restaurant because it's a quote unquote bullshit emotional support dog. So I'm not for that. Let me know what you think about that as well. Thank you. (laughs) 
My guest today is Matt Strauss, the chairman, direct-to-consumer, and international of NBC Universal. He's responsible for all aspects of Peacock, NBC's streaming service, Fandango, and international networks. He was previously the executive vice president of Xfinity for Comcast. Today, we talk about having the entrepreneurial spirit, taking personal responsibility, and finding your North Star. He's a great guy with a ton of business insight, and I think you're going to like this one. If you're a person who wonders about the road uh, less traveled. Should you be in the corporate landscape, take the corporate route, or uh, the more entrepreneurial, non-traditional route? Well, Matt is in a very, very corporate environment and has been for his entire career, but thinks of himself as an entrepreneur. And he's one of these people that functions as an entrepreneur within a corporate framework. So I find that to be very interesting because many people don't know exactly who they are and you can be both. And you can sort of have parallel paths of being a maverick and being within the corporate framework. Nice to meet you. You probably do not do a lot of podcasts and interviews like this. Is that correct? I do not. Um, actually, this may be the first. Really? Okay. Um, were you surprised that we reached out? Uh, I was a little surprised that you reached out, but I also was looking forward to speaking to you. You know, I like putting myself outside my comfort zone every once in a while. So very open to it. Well, that's good. And when I was thinking about you, because there's not as much information on you on the internet as other people, and most people won't even know who you are that are listening. But when I was thinking about you, I was thinking about working within a corporate structure, and we'll get there, yeah. and getting to how people who are listening, who are interest entrepreneurs and want to invent something and be on Shark Tank, how you stand out, how you rise up the corporate ladder, how you maintain individuality within a corporate structure, how you get noticed, how you decide whether that's who you are or if your person should be on your own, what teamwork means, that sort of thing. So first, I just want to understand how you grew up like who you are, what your family was like, what your financial circumstances were like, what your childhood was like. Well, I grew up actually as a, as a latchkey kid in the 1970s. Both of my parents worked and my mother, um, you know, we, we lived in Long Island and she was a nurse in New York City. And, you know, starting out, she worked the overnight shift. So unfortunately, a lot of my childhood, you know, our timing didn't overlap where I was going to bed as she was getting ready to go to work. Um, so I spent a lot of time by myself. And, you know, I wasn't a kid who uh, was necessarily the smartest in the class. I, I wasn't the one who was the most athletic. I, I had a really strong work ethic. Like I, you know, I was a hustler. I, like, I was the kid who was like shoveling snow in the winter for money or raking the leaves for the neighbors in the fall. And, you know, that level of independence in some ways, I think, was because as a kid, I, I had to take care of myself. Only child? I was not an only child. I was one of actually four. But And you have four. And I have four. So it's kind of, you know, okay. it's, um, I, I, it's a little bit of me really having a, a new appreciation for my parents and how hard it must have been for them to raise four kids and do it in a way where they, they both had to work. But it's it's interesting because a lot of times I do think back to a lot of my passion, a lot of my ambition, even the things that I'm doing now in my career. I, it wasn't intuitive to me, you know. But I, when I reflected on it, I realized a lot of it came back to my childhood. Like the dots were all there. I just had to connect it. Well, that happens a lot too with people who learn things or have certain jobs. And at the time they think, what the hell am I learning this for? What do I need to know this for? Why am I doing this dumb job? And I always say, don't do it. If you think it's beneath you, don't be that person. It doesn't matter. I used to be a PA on saved by the bell, making copies and delivering coffee, but I was the best at it because you just never know what you're going to learn along the way or who you're going to run into. If it's Mario Lopez, you know, or, uh, Tiffany Thiessen years later. So, um, it's interesting that you're saying that the way that you grow up, you're finding that even now in business, certain things apply. Well, I, I mean, certainly when I grew up, I was always fascinated with television. Um, you know, I grew up kind of as, as cable was also starting to come more into focus. And like, I remember very clearly, like when MTV launched, I remember begging my mm -hmm. parents to, to get cable. And 
you know, I was also like somebody who like loved cartoons. So like, I remember very clearly as a kid, like if you wanted to watch cartoons, you watch them on Saturday. Like that was the only day of the week that you were able to watch Mm -hmm. cartoons. And I, that bothered me. Like, I would say, why is it just Saturday? Why can't I decide when I want to watch cartoons? And of course, like my parents would just dismiss me and like, well, that's just how TV Mm -hmm. works. And I was like, well, why does it have to work that way? So it's, it's interesting. Like you take these little things with you along the way. And, you know, the fact that my career has been really built on in many ways, trying to figure out how to make video better, um, you know, how to make it better for my family and my kids in, in a way, which has actually also been important to me. Like a lot of that came back from the questions and the curiosity and, and the experiences that I had as a kid. Well, that's interesting to me, but things that we just think that bother us and that nag us, even if they're so much more complicated and bigger than us, usually mean something. And timing is huge too, though. So many, I've heard of amazing ideas that are just too early and then someone else comes in later. It's like surfing. You have to be able, you have to know when to get out there and then when to ride the wave, you know? And so, well, I want to get into that, the timing in your business, because we will. But first, like what, do you mind if I ask you how old you are? I just turned 50. Okay. So we're the same age. Yeah. So, so um, you just turned 50. And what do you do for a living? For people that don't know who you are, what, who are you? What do you do for a living? If you were out and someone said, you know, what's your story? What would you, what would you say? So I, I'm currently the chairman of Peacock. And also um, I oversee the direct-to-consumer division of NBC Universal. So uh, which includes Fandango and Voodoo and Rotten Tomatoes as well as, you know, NBC distributes their networks all over the world. Of course, we know it here in the United States. Our programming is available in over 150 countries. So I manage the international part of our business as well. But a big chunk of my focus, especially over the last year, has been launching Peacock and running the business and the strategy and really continuing to chart the future uh, of Peacock over the next couple of years. Okay, so you're the chairman of Peacock. That's pretty major. For everybody that doesn't know what that is, it's like the NBC streamer, isn't it? Effectively, how I would yeah, say we, it, a layperson. Yeah, we um, Peacock's available on every platform. You can get it on any device. It's an ad-supported streaming service. We actually just celebrated our one-year anniversary, so you know that's a whole other kind of challenge of not only building a business but doing it during a pandemic has certainly been like a new muscle that a lot of us have had to learn. We have over fifty-four million people who signed up for Peacock. Um, which was wow. a huge milestone Congrats. for us. You know, we weren't expecting to see that level of growth so early on. So it's been exciting. Amazing. It's exciting. Okay. All right. And I've actually been at Comcast for 17 years. So I've I've had a lot of different roles uh, along the way that ultimately led me to Peacock. And so when you say that you're the, also the head of direct-to-consumer, explain to people what that means. What are you doing for direct-to-consumer? They don't know what that means. Yeah, so, so direct-to-consumer is is really overseeing any part of our business where we are interacting directly, where consumers could either access a, our content through an application, purchase our programming, you know, both domestically and internationally. You know, every media company is going through a pretty major transition as more and more consumers, you know, want to get access to internet, but then decide whether they want to get, you know, sign up for a streaming service or multiple streaming services. And NBC is going through that same transition and our group is leading it. You know, we are really charting the course for how we continue to want to build out how we deliver video in the future and how consumers can access it and being more flexible about providing different models and ways for people to enjoy and experience video, which is perfect for me. I mean, because again, my my whole career in many ways has been building up to this moment. So I feel like I'm really lucky to be alive at this moment in time. I think there's like so much going on in the industry uh, where it's exciting. You know, if you, if you like being part of that disruption, I mean, our industry is obviously going through a tremendous amount of disruption, but I, I gravitate towards that. To me, that's opportunity. That's that's where I like to focus my time. And I feel fortunate that I'm in a role that I can do that. I can't wait until I like call you at night and be like, hi, I don't know how to get into the show. I don't know how to do it on my phone. It's hard on my computer. I don't know which password. I'm calling my assistant. I find that it's all gotten very, very complicated. So if you can help simplify it, and that's part of my other tech idea. Okay, so how did you come up the ranks? 
What's been your whole career trajectory? I went to NYU and I thought at the time that I was going to like go work on Wall Street. You know, I, I went to Stern and I, I majored in finance and marketing and I very much saw myself as wanting to be an investment banker. And then when I hold one sec, your family was able to pay for NYU. Or you had I to paid take for out it. Loans? No, I took out loans. I I actually you took out the loans. Yeah, I paid for it. Um, I I got okay. scholarships, um, but I also took out loans. And um, you know, I worked. I mean, I, as I mentioned, I worked as a kid delivering everything from newspapers to working in grocery stores, and I saved almost all the money I made for college. That's a good person to run your company. People who, someone who is very frugal, by the way, you want someone very frugal running your company. Did you care? So you were always very diligent and you were working hard, which is why you got into Stern, which is huge. Did you care about money? I, yeah, very much. I mean, I, I cared about money, uh, but I cared about it more in this stage of my life around just saving it. Like I, I didn't need a lot as a kid. Like I was always the kid who was fine with less. Um, I tried to, you know, maybe that was just the circumstances that I grew up in, but I was very conscious of like, I needed to like a path to improve myself and and college was that mm-hmm. path. So everything I did at a very early age was really always around like, how is this going to help me pay for college? Because I knew that I, it was going to be on me, that I was going to be the one wow. that was going to have to, if I was going to go to college, I was going to have to find a way to to pay for it. That's early. That was early. I didn't know what I was doing until I was late for me. And I still feel like I sometimes, sometimes don't. Do you believe you have four kids? Do you believe that all four of them should go to college or it might be right for two of them? How old are your kids? Well, my oldest is 19 and my youngest okay. is 12. I have four boys. Okay. I, I really do. Well, look, I, I'm, I try to be supportive and open-minded and, um, and I want my kids to experience, you know, their lives and, and make their decisions but I, I definitely believe college helps. And I, that's, that okay. is the expectation that I would have for them that they would go to college, but, okay. um, but you know, we'll guess we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. My oldest is in college right now. So I, and I think it's important, you know, if that's really what they want to do, then, then obviously it's important for them. And I think it helps. I think it will help them in their, in their lives if they have that degree. Well, no, coming from a person who went through the financial aid and paying back loans, is who I want to hear from, not someone who just was given <laughs> college because then they don't really understand what the deal is, what you're trading off. So, I, so I get that. Um, and interesting too that it sounds like you cared about money as a currency to live and as a vehicle to do what you wanted to do. But many people on here, I'm surprised that are very successful and very wealthy. Uh, money was not really the goal, and I, it's, I'm believing it too. It's not like just a line. I mean, for some people, they say it was, and they wanted to be something and make something. But money has not been really the goal for most people that have been successful, which is interesting. Um, the practical solution yeah. has the, the dream, the vision, the goal. Money's been well, a money. Great well, money, product. money for me actually was not the goal either. Like my, I don't define my decisions based on money. I always did right. believe if you are good at what you do, you'll get compensated for it. And, and I certainly right. subscribe to that. For me, it was more the utility of it. Like I needed money to get to this next phase. And that was really important at that I get point. It. it was a tool. It was a vehicle. I get it. Mother's Day is May 12th and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Macy's makes it easy for your little ones to buy a present for you for Mother's Day. Bryn loves to shop but sometimes has a hard time figuring out what to get me. I have confidence that Macy's Gift Finder will be a great guide for her. Something for everyone at every price point. Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, it's so easy to shop. You can shop by price, category, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted, and gifts for grandma. Plus, Macy's has top gifts like Beats headphones, digital photo frames, Polaroid camera, and Samsung smart TV, the frame. Head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. 
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. So do you think of yourself as um, a corporate person or an entrepreneur? Entrepreneur. I, I, never, okay. I never thought of myself as a corporate person, even though my entire career has been working in big companies. But I, I really think it's a mindset. Like when I you know, worked at Comcast, I think they forgot they hired me. I, I literally showed up for work and the person who hired me was on vacation. They didn't have an office. They didn't have a phone. They had no computer. What was your job and how many, this is 18 years ago? Yeah, this was uh, yeah, 17 or 18 years ago. I, I mean, I, okay. I already had a couple of other jobs before this one, but I, it's interesting. Even if I go back one step further, like when I, my first job out of school was at ABC, uh, when it was okay. Cap City's ABC before Disney acquired it. And I applied to about a hundred jobs out of college and I got rejected to all of them. Out of NYU Stern Business School. That's something we should discuss based on what's going on now. Yes. That's crazy. It was crazy. I mean, at that time, it was a recession. There was a lot of companies that weren't hiring. I also, though, made the decision that I thought I was going to go work on Wall Street. And then all my friends went to go work on Wall Street. And I said, that's not really what I want to do. And I was conscious of the fact of like where you start actually matters because it yes. gets harder if you go down a path that really isn't what you believe is your future or your passion. And I really, if you are like you and diligent, that's a great point because here, so I was different. I was all over the place, but I didn't really have a clear path. Like you, all of the weird and different paths and jobs I took ended up helping me in this, but what I ended up doing didn't really even exist. So you had a clearer path, obviously being a doctor, being um, a lawyer, certain type of law is a, is a very clear path. And you, you somehow always were gravitating towards television. So you didn't want to get into down the wrong road. Yeah. I do agree with that. So people listening, think about who you are. You don't have to know now if you're 24 years old, 21 years old, but it's good to just be thinking about the map and where the road's going to go. You may change your journey. You may take a left, may take a right. You may, you know, run out of gas, but it's good to understand where you think you're going. Yeah, I look, that is like such good advice. I mean, I, I feel out of all the things in my career, the, the thing I'm one of the most fortunate about is I always did know what I wanted to do. And, and a lot of people right. will come to me and they'll ask me for career advice and they'll say, what do you think I should do? And I'm like, that's the wrong question. I, I can't right. tell you what to do. You have to have a point of view on where you want to go. And for me, I made that decision but it also meant, you know, for six months after I graduated, I didn't have a job. I, mm. I was painting houses, you know, to try to afford mm -hmm. having an apartment. But mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to work at ABC. Like I was laser focused on that. Okay. And 
I would walk to 66th and Columbus every week because that's when they would put out their job postings. And it took six months where I think they were just sick of me because I just kept showing up. And Mm -hmm. I ended up getting a job as a junior financial analyst in the news division, which I have no idea even what that meant, but I said, I'll take it. Mm -hmm. Um, And even though that was not my passion, even though I didn't want to really do a career in finance, my philosophy was I'm going to be the best junior financial analyst that the company has ever seen. 100%. Lay the bricks one by one and lay the foundation and the groundworks and everything you do and do it properly from the beginning. I always say that because otherwise one card is wrong and the whole house falls down. Right. And within a large corporation, when you talk about how do you stand out, how do you start to build your brand as an individual, you know, a lot of it starts with how well does this person do the job that they have, let alone their ambition of where they want to go. I was very clear when I got there what my ambition was. I, I said, my ambition is I don't want to be the controller. I don't want to be the CFO. You know, I want to be in programming. I want to, I was very interested at the time and they were calling it multimedia because there really wasn't a name for, for streaming or direct to consumer back then. Mm-hmm. So I was very clear about my ambition, but I also was very focused on, I'm going to do the job I have and do it to the best of my ability. And it actually helped. I mean, in some ways, it was the best place for me to start because I realized later on that almost every decision in business comes back to money. And most executives, it's shocking. They can't read a PL, they can't read a balance sheet. They mm-hmm. don't understand, you know, some of the basics around economics. And in many ways, I learned that in my first job as a financial analyst. And it sounds like you don't ask anybody beneath you in the corporate structure to do anything that you haven't done. You've come up a clear path and you understand what those jobs are. I mean, I, I was, I've been an assistant to celebrities, to ornery, famous, perfectionist people. So I never ask anybody to do anything that I haven't done. A hundred percent. And again, maybe that's part of my upbringing. I, I tend to approach things through the lens of humility. Like I, I am a sponge. I will, I just want to learn. I observe. I try to do things to the best of my ability, but there's nothing that's beneath me. Like even today, as as the chairman of Peacock, you know, I run our Facebook page. You know, personally, I, I, I right. so there's just to me, it's it's whatever has to be done, and it comes back to also this belief around the importance of collaboration and teamwork, and and surrounding yourself with people that that buy into a common vision has also been a big part of of my future in, in how I built my career. And I think when I was at ABC, one of the things that was so helpful was I had a lot of mentors. And this is another lesson that I learned along the way. And that to me was like in my formative years, there was a lot of people who didn't know me, but I knew them. Like Bob Iger was the president of the network when I was there. Um, Steve Burke was the head of the station group when I was there. Mm-hmm. His father, Dan Burke, was, you know, the I think the vice chairman of Cap Cities. And I would observe these executives and how they interacted. You know, Dan Burke would sit, there was an executive cafeteria, and then there was the cafeteria for like us humans. And Mm -hmm. I remember like seeing him sitting by himself in the cafeteria with all the employees while all the other executives were in the executive dining room. And that stuck with me. Like I, I observed that and I'm like, there's something about, wanting to aspire to be like other people that you admire and you take some of the traits along with you. And and that's what I mean when I say being mentoring, like it doesn't have to be formal. It could just be being aware of things that you can learn from around you. And and that's been very important um, and helpful to me. I agree with you. It's sort of a cousin of what you're saying. For me, it's Sometimes crowdsourcing, sometimes asking a bunch of different people, you know, you're deciding whether you're using basil, arugula, cilantro, and you end up deciding what you're going to do, but you sort of just like crowdsource. And sometimes you go to someone who's an expert in that area. Like I have people that I will call for entertainment industry saga bullshit, like machinations where one wrong turn I make, I'm messing up 10 things. Like it's a serious big girl poker table. I go to Kevin Uvane at CIA. I'll just be like, this is going on. The shit's going to go down. I need to know what to do because my lawyers sometimes can be scared. My business managers are, are working with my partners and everyone has like, a, you know, 
something to gain from the deal. So he has no skin in it. So I'll call him. But then if it's like a tech investing idea, I'll, I would call Mark Cuban. So sometimes you go to different people in different areas and it doesn't have to be the, the head of CIA or Mark Cuban. It could be anybody, you know, it could be your, your, your wife, your daughter, your boyfriend, whatever. So I, I agree with what you're saying. You're like watching different people and in the, their habitat and how they operate in business. And it's, it's a great way to learn. It's a free way to learn. It's a free way to learn. It does, you know, anybody could do it. And, and look, I think it's always important to also have people that you, you do feel like you can reach out to and have that connection and get guidance. And that's also been, I don't, I've not met anybody in business that has aspired to a certain level that, that has not had mentors along the way. And, mm-hmm. and, and even, you know, sometimes they, you can get so close to things in your career that you sometimes like see the tree, you don't see the forest. Like I remember this one time I, I was actually progressing pretty rapidly within the finance division, even though that wasn't really what I wanted to do. And I applied for this manager role that I really felt I should have gotten and I didn't get the role. And I was so upset that I did what felt like a natural thing. I went to my boss's boss's office who didn't even know me really. And I quit. And fortunately, this was somebody who took the time and said, okay, why are you quitting? What's going on? What job did you have? This was still when I was at ABC, I was still young. And this was a really important lesson for me. I, I mean, this was like the the stupidest thing I could have ever done was go in and just quit. Um, Mm -hmm. But I did because it's like an ultimatum, which I say never to give. There's really not it's an ultimatum. Nowhere to go, was, right? And and everyone ultimately is replaceable. And yeah, hundred percent. So hundred percent. I did it, but this is where I got lucky. Uh, it was a guy named Steve Summer. He was the assistant controller, and he actually said to me, "Do you want to be a manager of accounts payable? You've been saying nothing except you want to be in programming. You've been telling everybody that you want to." You know, you don't want to be in finance. You don't want to be in accounting. He goes, if you got that job, it's going to be harder for you to then make a change in your career. He goes, I just did you a favor by not right. giving you that job. And then I, it snapped back into focus with me. I'm like, wait, he's right. I That right. wasn't my North Star. That's not what I wanted to do. And that actually, two things came from that. One is he actually became one of my mentors and somebody that I was able to confide in career-wise. But then I also then realized I needed to make a change. Like at that point, I, I needed to make the next step. You're on the road. You, you're making some money. You've got your 401k and your insurance. How do you know when to make the change? And this may be different than what other people have, have been told. I actually make the change when I get too comfortable. When I'm in a point in my career where I feel like I've mastered the job, I know how to do it really well. Um, I'm like not that. really being challenged. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's a lot of people who they like that. It's very comforting and they like the stability. That's when like the little light in my brain goes off and says, you need to make a change. Sometimes I've been asked to do something that okay. might be a different role, a different job. And almost every time it makes me uncomfortable. And if it makes me uncomfortable, then I do it. Like I actually I gravitate towards it, you know, and I try to actually push myself like, because I, de- I do tend to be more introverted. I you know, I do tend to be more reserved. So when something forces me outside of that comfort zone, I really think hard about my instinct is to say no. And then what usually comes out of my mouth is yes. And I, and I just, I force myself to do it. That's interesting because that's when you jump, you fly. I always say that. That's, that's that feeling when people have something nagging, but they're just afraid. And usually when you jump, you fly. You have some sort of direction about what's going to happen. So how do you... Within the framework of a corporate structure, you're a jelly bean in a jar. How do you move, Bob, weave, get raises, be an innovator, be an entrepreneur? You know, how do you do that? You know, when I ultimately got from ABC and I, I spent some time at another company called Cablevision, which is now Altice, um, they also owned a what was called at the time Rainbow Media, which AMC. Uh, they owned Bravo. They owned a, they owned several cable networks, and I had worked there for some time. But you know, this is right around 2000, and so this is over 20 years ago, and the technology was just starting to emerge around building out on demand. And this is again when I talk about connecting dots, like it then immediately came into focus. I actually wrote a business plan for 
an on-demand network. And this was at a time before YouTube or Netflix. I don't even know if Netflix existed. If they existed, they were just delivering DVDs. Mm -hmm. And I wrote a business plan, again, using my financial experience that I had and really charting out what I thought was the next opportunity, which was an on-demand service. And I presented it to Chuck Dolan, who was the chairman of Cablevision. And he liked it and actually said, you should run it. Now, I was not qualified to run it. I wasn't trying to run it. I was just trying to put forward an idea. But when that happened, I wasn't going to back down from that opportunity. What year was that? This was in 2000. This was over 20 years ago. It's over 20 years ago. How old old are you? 30 years old about? About 30 years old. And I launched- And are you a baller at that point on some level to your friends? Do you have a real job? What are you? At at that point, I was like a vice president of strategy. It was a thing. Of something. So you were a big deal. I I had kind of worked my way into a position where I had at least the ability to like connect with some senior executives and- and yeah, you're in the you were in the game. The vice you had the vice president title. I was the vice 30. president at that okay. at thirty. I, I worked my way into that role. To that, but before that, for people listening that are you know, how do you how'd you get to be a vice president? Well, but what happened was when I left ABC, I actually got two job offers. One job offer was to work at NBC, and one job offer was to go work at this small cable company in Long Island right. called okay. Cablevision. Um, I decided. Based on like, again, I at this point in my career, I was doing a lot of strategy work. I was looking at trends in the industry. It was very clear to me that the future was going to be cable. Mm-hmm. And I chose to go to Cablevision. Big fish, small pond? Um, a medium fish, you know, I was I was definitely, I was taking on a bigger role. But I think at this point, it was, a, it was like a director level role. Okay. But I remember so clearly the recruiter from NBC said, could not believe I was turning down the job at NBC to go to a small cable company. And and they said, this is the worst decision you're ever going to make. You're going to regret it. And it was probably the best decision I ever made. And Mm -hmm. again, it was following my instincts around where I'd be challenged. At the time when I went there, I, you know, it's kind of, I took the advice I said earlier, which was I was a director of strategy. It was kind of an ambiguous role. I never really thought about being part of a big company or small company, I just focused, like I put my blinders on, like, what do I want to do? How do mm-hmm. I get this done? Got it. And, you know, the, the better I was able to perform at my job, the more responsibility I got. And that's kind of how I, I find it works. It's like, if you want to get more and get ahead, it always starts with be really good at the job you have. I love it. Okay. That's the overall lesson. First of all, never assume anyone's smarter than you because someone could tell you what your road's supposed to be. And they don't know. They're just, most of us don't know anything about what's going on. We don't, we're just doing the best we can and using our gut and honing that, that skill. And your best decision of your career was put your head down, be good at this. Now you've had an idea about direct on demand. Now you're, you're a vice president at 30 and he likes it. And he said, I want you to run it. And he made me at that point, an executive vice president um, I jumped a couple of levels and mm-hmm. I was now responsible for building a business. Because um, you created value in doing something he probably didn't even understand how to do. And you really didn't either, but you were going to figure it out. I, yeah. And I, again, I, to me, this was the hustle of like figuring right. it out. But yep. I also, this I love, I love that. I love that. I love the three dimensional chess game of trying to think about how all the pieces could fit together. Um, you know, learning it again, I, I don't pretend to be the smartest person in the room. I'm, I'm not always the smartest person in the room. Most of the time I surround myself with people and that are really smart. And I try to bring in that collaboration aspect of it. And that's what I did. You know, when we launched this business, it was called mag rack, which was short for magazine rack. Mm-hmm. And the idea was to build out an on-demand service nationally that would produce original programming that people could watch through a menu on their TV. Unbelievable. Which... Way ahead of your time. <laughs> Way ahead of your time. But that's the entrepreneurial aspect of being within a corporate structure. So you answered that question as well. So you're saying that if people find innovative ways to stand out and problems to solve, that they can absolutely be an entrepreneur within a public company, a corporate structure, that is very consoling. I like that. Well, you gotta you gotta remember that in most big companies, innovation doesn't come top down. It comes bottoms mm-hmm. up. It ah, comes from the note. employees. It comes from 
people who have ideas and, and mm. have aspirations and you got to seek that out. I get asked all the time, how can you be entrepreneurial in a company that has like over 200,000 employees? And the answer is, I never, I don't think about that for a second. I never think about 200,000 employees. I just think about what can I do and how am I going to do it? And I think that everybody has that ability. Everybody I get it. has the ability to kind of approach it in a way that, you know, that they could chart the course and, and chart the future of big companies as well, you know, no matter where you are within the organization. I, I want to know your personal coming up the ranks, your personal experience in how men and women have been treated differently. And then I want to know if you, you're a chairman, you must be tough, quote unquote. And do you notice, because Sheryl Sandberg said there is absolutely a difference. She believes, she believes. I have never thought about men and women. I have just gone through. It's something that as the conversation in society happens, I'm thinking about it more and noticing things that I didn't even, that didn't even occur to me. But she says that if a woman's tough, she's a bitch. And if a man is tough, it's okay. It's like celebrated. And so what do you, what has been your honest experience coming up the ranks for men and women? You know, I, uh, this may not be the answer you're expecting. Okay. I, I gotta be honest, coming up the ranks, I, to me, I, I never thought of it as men or women. I, I literally always just thought about it as we're in this as a team. Like I have mm-hmm. had bosses that I've reported to that are, are women as well as men. Um, one of the things that was instilled in me very early was that the secret to my success was just pulling people in close that kind of had a shared ambition and and passion than I did. And whether that was a man or a woman, like I never thought about that at all. But now that I'm in my current role, you know, I think a lot about diversity, about equality, about ensuring that we got the right voices in the room. And Mm -hmm. as, and as a leader, you know, how do I build the right organization that that kind of allows for that kind of a growth? And and I would say even now more than ever, because there's a lot of people within Peacock that are younger generations, um, they look to their company, they look to who they work for in many ways as a manifestation of like their beliefs and and, right. and how they want to be seen. And, and I think even more that's putting pressure on companies to really take a, another look at at diversity and equality in the workforce. And I don't think we're any different. And to me, this is easy. Like it's easy because I, it just, it's just the right thing to do. And I try mm-hmm. to approach everything I do. Like, like I want to win. I'm, I am as competitive, if not more than anybody, but I also want to win the right way. And mm-hmm. for me, the right way is like with integrity, with, you know, through like we all win together and to mm-hmm. do that, I think it also comes down to ensuring that we're creating a workforce that's representative of our society and that we all have equal opportunities. So we spend a lot of time working on it. And I we got a lot Absolutely. more we have a lot more work to do. But it's something that's a very big part now of our culture that we're trying to build within Peacock. Mother's Day is May 12th, and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Macy's makes it easy for your little ones to buy a present for you for Mother's Day. Bryn loves to shop, but sometimes has a hard time figuring out what to get me. I have confidence that Macy's Gift Finder will be a great guide for her. Something for everyone at every price point. Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, it's so easy to shop. You can shop by price, category, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted and gifts for grandma. Plus, Macy's has top gifts like Beats headphones, digital photo frames, Polaroid camera, and Samsung smart TV, the frame. Head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? 
Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. find that managing people, finding good talent and executing and staying out of the weeds is the most challenging part of business. That's what I find to be the most challenging. Do you agree? Do you, what is your process and what do you find to be the most challenging part of being a business person and running a business and the culture for all of it? Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, what you just said, I think when you're, especially when you're trying to start a business, um, whether you're doing it as an entrepreneur, like as a traditional startup or whether you're doing it Mm -hmm. with a big corporation, you know, it's hard to not get into the weeds, to not get into the details because you want to be successful and you want the business Mm -hmm. to be successful. And, and I think that I definitely am guilty of that. You know, like I am probably in almost every major decision and that's not good. So I try to both hire people, but empower people. Like I tell people all the time, like, if you're here, whatever your job is, you're here because there's a role that you're being mm-hmm. hired to do. And you are part of our success. You're going to be part of, mm-hmm. of ultimately how we're going to grow as a business. My job as a manager is to block and tackle for you, to make it easier for you to do your job. And I think that's always difficult. You know, when, when you're somebody who can get into the weeds, it's hard to pull yourself out of it. But, but that is, I think, an important lesson that I've learned, which is you've got to scale yourself. You've got to be able to delegate. But I can tell because we're the same age and I can tell at the place in your career that you're at, it's a discipline for you. Like you, you go through it too with me. You, you're in and then you're like, okay, guys, I got to get out of these weeds because I got to deal with the big picture, but I have to be aware. I call it, look at the whole board. And it's, it's the ch- most challenging thing to be in it when you need to, and then ex- pull yourself out, you know, try to kill the weeds from the root. There's another dimension to it, which is, I think it motivates people. Like when you talk about what motivates people, I find there's like three things. And I know that I'm oversimplifying it. Like money motivates people, um, okay. but not everybody, not everyone's motivated by money, but, but and that's not a bad thing if it motivates you. I think there's a lot right. of people who've been very successful. The other thing that can motivate people is just showing gratitude. So You're right. I am huge in building cultures around acknowledging people and saying thank you and recognizing mm-hmm. people. And sometimes I find that can go even further. And then the third is demonstrating to somebody how their role matters and why it matters. And, and I have found that most people are going to spend more time at their job then they're going to spend with their family or at home. Mm-hmm. You want to make it feel like it, like what you're doing matters. And sometimes you need to tell people and show them why their role matters, but then you need to give them the freedom to do their job well. And then when yes. people could do their job really well, that could be incredibly motivating because then they feel vested in the success. And yes. I think that's part of what I'm trying to do in my role is I can't always give people more money but I can certainly take time to say thank you and make sure people have what they need to be successful in their role. And when they're successful, we celebrate it. Right. And how many years have you been in this position? I've been in this role for about a year and a half. So you get this gig. What was your job before? What was your title? So I, I was the executive vice president at Comcast Cable. I was running a Comcast Cable video business, internet business, phone business, so still a major job, right? I uh, yeah, I I had a fairly you know, high responsibility role at Comcast. Okay. I was running their residential 
business lines uh, nationally. But this is, again, one of those examples where, you know, sometimes you chart your course and sometimes you got to take advantage of the opportunity. You had no idea that you were going to get this game? No idea. I got a call on a Thursday from Steve Burke, who at the time was the CEO of NBC Universal. And he essentially said, would you be interested in 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 running Peacock? Um, I was sitting down having dinner with my wife. She could tell that I was, you know, that my face kind of turned a little bit white because that was a, you know, I wasn't expecting that call, but I immediately knew I had to do this. Like for me, this was like, like. That was major. Like that was major. That was major. I mean, I literally, Bethany went from Thursday, I'm at the dinner table in a job that I, I really enjoyed in Philadelphia. And that Monday I was living in a hotel room showing up at NBC Wow. For this new job, That's exciting. Um, and essentially, we had only a couple of months to kind of build it, launch it, you know, and and run it. That's exciting. And it's perfect for an entrepreneur. It's perfect for you. Yeah, you got to go for so, those. All right, so you get a new job, and now the pandemic hits. So, you know, you could obviously forecast that people will be watching more TV, watching more entertainment at home. You know, uh, but if you don't hustle and you're not like the best you're going to be behind the pack because you know that like it's getting more and more competitive. So what, without going on forever, like I talked to the the head of Panera about this. I talked to Tommy Bahama about this. Like, what was your move? You got Cadillac, you got your team together. And what, what the hell are you saying? Like, what do we, what's the plan? Well, look, it it was actually even, um, it was actually even harder than, than that because not only was it the pandemic, which meant you had a new team, new business now, 100% of people working from home like the rest of the, right. of the world. Right. But, you know, the streaming environment is like a knife fight. I mean, you're talking about yes. a highly competitive environment and we are we're arguably late. I mean, we were late to the right. party and now we're going to be doing it from home. Our programming is delayed. The Olympics, which was obviously supposed to happen last summer, mm-hmm. got delayed. Um, but this is also one of the things where like I one of my favorite movies is Rocky and I love being the underdog. I You're good in a crisis. I, I love that. So to me when the pandemic happened, we were actually given an opportunity if we if we wanted to delay the launch because we were supposed to launch July 15th of last year. Steve Burke said if you want to delay, I'm going to let you make that decision. And I quickly got our team together to discuss it. By the way, there was never a chance we were going to delay. Like in my mind, we were going to we were going to launch right. no matter what. Uh, but, right. but but I wanted to also hear from my team, and we all wanted to do it. We all felt like we had to go for it. So it was easy at that point. It was like, look, I, I mean, relatively easy. But we but when you do it and you're doing it aligned and you have your organization aligned and everyone feels like we want to go for it, the odds are stacked against us. But that's it's what alive. also makes it exciting. Alive. Yeah, there's yeah, an energy, and that we went for it. You know, we went for it, and it turned out. Those to are the be people in thing. the pandemic that thrived. It just sort of motivated you, and I think that should motivate people to just when it seems like it's a crisis and a disaster, and it mo- things are moving in many different directions. That's how I do my relief work. Like it's a clear path, and you just put your head down and focus. So that's awesome. Yeah, there's always a silver lining. There's always a silver lining. You just sometimes you gotta look, look a little harder to find it. Dig. But I yep. I spend almost zero of my energy on negativity or observing the problems. I always try to focus on how do we move forward. What do we need to do? I, like I don't look in the rearview mirror. I'm always trying to focus on the road ahead. Amazing. Um, are you, what percentage are you lucky and what percentage are you smart? Uh, I would say I have been like 50% lucky. There have been a lot of things that I look back in my career that were opportunities that were presented to me. You know, some of them, I, I certainly recognize that, you know, I'd put myself in certain situations where I was at the right place at the right time. But I feel like I've been also given a lot of opportunities and breaks and I've tried to take advantage of them. But at the end of the day, I'm a hustler at heart. Like I, Mm -hmm. I am somebody who feels like my success has come from not giving up. Like that's just not an option. I don't, I do not give up. That's free. Also, everybody that's not from 2021. That's not tech. That's a hundred years old, not giving up old school, hard work. We keep coming back to that on this podcast that everybody that's successful is saying the same thing. So 
you got to listen to it because I'm listening to it. Um, and then what has been not about your kids, not your family, what has been the rose and the thorn of your career, your business career? <laughs> um, well, look, the rose of my is that, you know, Comcast, I never, ever thought I would work at a company as long as I have been at Comcast. But I believe in the management. I like the culture. I feel like I've had a, an opportunity to like put my fingerprints on on the future. And so the rose for for me is I I found the right company to thrive. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm alive at the right time in, in this in this industry to to participate in it. Mm -hmm. And I feel really fortunate that that I've been able to do it. I think the I, I know this is gonna. I don't. I don't know what the thorn. You don't is. have like, a thorn. I, you I might not have I a thorn. My I daughter don't. at dinner sometimes doesn't have a thorn. I, you know, if there is a thorn, I, I don't think about. It. Look, I. There's no question in my career it was not linear. Well, I think there have been things that I've done that have not been successful. Like that service right. I talked about, Magrack. I spent probably a hundred million dollars building it out, and it didn't work. Like the timing oh, wasn't okay. right. The the market, the technology wasn't mature enough. I got lapped by the internet and YouTube and Hulu and all these other services. And that was a, a real setback for me. I mean, that, that was a really difficult thing for me to kind of reconcile because I was, that was a failure. It was a failure. And you're in the middle of a corporate structure with people watching the, and the I, wallets. And I believe, but I knew that it was the right, I knew that that was the future. I just wasn't able to execute on it. And I had to try again. And, wow. and that, that's why, again, in many ways, Peacock for me is like another shot. It's another chance at, at what I've tried to do 20 years ago, but the market is obviously in a very different place. And I'm in a very different place in my learning and, and everything I've been able to absorb over the past 20 years. I always say there can only be one Peacock in a relationship. Um, <laughs> and this is the last thing I'm going longer than most people with you. Is your wife, does she work? Is she a career person? My wife um, was a school teacher. She taught high school. Um, and she gave up her teaching career to be with the kids and she has been incredibly supportive. I mean, she and nimble with you moving and getting these new gigs and moving everywhere. And changing every, every, I mean, right. Even right now it's, you know, my kids yeah. are, are older where we can't easily move. So I'm back and forth in New York city all the time. And she, she's the one that actually shoulders the biggest job, you know, is managing the family. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, well, you were wonderful. I've not said this to anyone yet. So, but I think that I don't, your company, a lot of the people that work lower at your company probably don't know that much about you. And I, there was nothing on the internet about you. So you should maybe let them listen to this because it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's very rare that people get to hear like what your journey was and who you actually are. So I think it's interesting, uh, info for people to know who they're working for. Well, thank Well, look, thank you for saying that. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to you. I, I awesome. really enjoyed it. and and. Uh, maybe this helps some people as well as they're going through it their career journey. Will. I loved it. It was great. You know, I never know because you had so little information, but I'm always, it always is these ones that I never know that are really great. I would never have gone longer than an hour ever. So uh, awesome to meet you. Great conversation and um, love to your family and good luck with everything. At Thank you so much, Bethany. Happens. Take care. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. So Matt Strauss, uh, sometimes I put people on here that you're probably like, hmm, who is that? So keep in mind that I want you to experience different types of entrepreneurs, people that work within a corporate framework, people that are total, you know, mavericks on their own. I just, I think it's important if you are trying to further yourself in business, start a business, succeed in business, um, or just take tools in your personal life, I think it's important to experience different types of people. So Matt Strauss was really one of those unexpected treasures. I talked to him longer than almost anyone, and I had fewer questions for him because there was really nothing about him on the internet. So I hope you enjoy that as well. Um, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And I appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. Just Be is hosted and executive produced by me, Bethany Frankel. Just Be is a production of Be Real Productions and iHeartRadio. Our managing producer is Fiona Smith and our producer is Stephanie Stender. Our EP is Morgan Lavoy. To catch more moments from the show, follow us on Instagram at Just Be With Bethany.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com.